adventures in love, sex, and dating. Marty, how's it going so far? Uh, not so bad, Linda, but I definitely have some more questions. <laughs> All right, we'll go right ahead. Bachelorette number one. What do you think of the idea of having to test drive a car before buying it? Well, my mom always told me that no one's gonna buy the cow if they can get the milk for free. I'm not a cow, and I'm definitely not free. So I guess only if the car is expensive. Okay. Uh, bachelorette number three, same question for you. If test driving the car is important to you, then it's important to me. If you're into cars, I'm into cars. Whatever makes you happy. Oh, awesome, I like that answer. Bachelorette number two, how would you show affection while dating someone? Affection? Like holding hands and kissing? I mean, that's something that I, I would be okay with. I would just have to make sure that it fit in my schedule. So it seems like I have, I don't know, like 10.30 on a Tuesday in the morning. I think that works. Let me put that in there. Uh... And now it's time for a short break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to The Well. Uh, you came out a great week because we are in the middle of a great series titled Real Talk, The Adventures of Love, Sex, and Dating. We've been diving into our, our biggest question for this series. Are you the person he, you are looking for is looking for? Are you the person who you are looking for is looking for? In order for me to become that right person, I can't I can't just hide my, my personal issues, my anxiety, my financial issues, and think if I just find the right person, all my, all my issues, all my anxiety will go away. If I just find that right person, and if we, have right, if we have the right chemistry, I will be complete, and I don't have to worry about my issues. So in order for me to become the right person, I have to deal with these issues, and not just think me finding the right person and all those issues will kind of disappear. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about how men should be when dating, and how women should be in dating and in marriage. So today, Father Anthony asked me to speak about building strong communication skills and how vital that is in dating and how vital that is in marriage. And if we have strong communication skills, it can be something very powerful and something very beautiful. Then I started to think, there's something else in marriage that's very strong very powerful and something very beautiful, sex. So I said, you know what? Father Anthony's not here. He's out of the country. My wife is out of town. Let's talk about sex. With that being said, viewer discretion is advised. Okay, this might not be rated uh, G or PG, so uh, just wanna give you a heads up. And I'm gonna be saying the word sex a little bit more times than you want to hear at church. So if you're uncomfortable with that, just uh, want to give you a heads up. So let's dive into a concept that we have been trained and heard our entire life, that sex is only physical. As long as you don't get pregnant, as long as you don't get an STD, just have fun, live it up. You only live once. No harm is done. It's something very natural. Just do it, live it up. If you think sex is just physical, you are hurting yourself, and you are hurting yourself at the deepest level possible because your sexuality is intricately woven into the very fabric of your being. 
It's woven into our deepest part of who we are, our sexuality and our sexual drive. When you try to separate your sexual drive and you try to separate the, the physical and, and the pleasure of sex away from the rest of who I am, only damage can occur. And we've heard for years, we all grew up hearing just enjoy sex, live it up, of, of just imagery and the pleasure of sex and removing it from every other part of who I am. And there's a lot of married couples out there today that are dealing with, with sexuality because of their decisions that they made before they were married. And they thought once they get married, it will all go away. And they're confused and they don't understand how their decisions that they made before marriage is affecting their sexual life in marriage. So for all you single people, this is your chance to have the best, if you want the best sexual life in marriage, it's in your control right now on the decisions that you make right now. So for our first fill-in, if it hasn't been made clear yet, sex is not just physical. Sex is not just physical. There's probably a bunch of guys right now hearing me and be like, what? Sex is definitely just physical. What the heck are you talking about? So I'm going to ask some serious questions. And, and forgive me, I'm going to surface some things to a lot of people. That's, it's hard to hear these questions. But let, let's just pretend for a while right now that sex is just physical. Let's just go with that. Let's say fix, sex is just physical. Question number one. If sex is just physical, why are children that were sexually abused, why does it haunt them their whole life? Why are children that are sexually abused, why do those memories haunt them their entire life? And it kind of just tilts them off a little bit their whole life. And it affects their sexual life in marriage as well. And, and they need years of recovery from something that happened to them as a childhood. Why can't they just say, oh, a, a dirty old man touched me, but that, that's, that's, that's done and over with. That happened a long time ago. If it was just physical, why can't women just say that? Why is it harder for a woman that's been raped to come forward? If she just said, oh, th this guy beat me up, it's, she can easily come to the, to the police and say that. But she says when she's been raped, it's something that, that impacts at the deepest level of a female. Because sex is not just physical. Sex is something so much more than just the physical component. Why for so many of us, our biggest regrets in life are sexual in nature? Why are the biggest regrets for so many of us are sexual in nature? Because sex is not just physical. Why is it when I talk to like a very close friend or, or when I go for confession, and I start the sentence with, I've never really told anybody this. It never ends with, I, I, I lied to my dentist and I told him that I floss every day. The rest of the sentence is usually something sexual in nature. Anytime we start a sentence and we're having a, you know, a deep conversation, I say, I've never told anybody this. 99% of the time, it's something sexual in nature. We live in a world that's on a mission we live in a society that's on a mission to separate the physical and visual, visual appeal of sex away from the intricate and, and, and the depth of who I am as a human being, as a beautiful child of God. Our society's on a mission to separate the two. Enjoy this, go to town, you only live once. Enjoy the physical, enjoy the sex, all you want. And separating it for who I am 
and the depth and profound depth and beauty that I'm created in God's image. Let me share a story. So about six years ago, before my wife and I got married, we got married in Atlanta. Our church told us we had to do a premarital retreat before we got married. It's in Florida. So we, we go down to Florida, we go to the premarital retreat. The best marital counselor in the world, Dr. Yusri Armenios. Shout out Dr. Yusri, he's the man. There's different things we talked about, you know, good communication skills, how to work out different things in marriage. So this was like a couple months before our marriage. And I see on the schedule that there's a sex talk. So obviously I'm, I'm, I'm pumped, I'm ready for that talk. I'm ready, I'm getting excited for, for him to talk about that. He, if anybody ever knows Dr. Yustri, he talks very slowly, he kind of closes his eyes. So he says, guys, there is no sex in marriage. <laughs> My heart stopped. I look at Sarah, what in the world am I doing then? What? And, I, and I'm freaking out, and I, I have this app on my phone counting down how many days until my wedding night, and this guy's telling me that there's no sex in marriage? So I have, a, I have a panic attack. But then he says, guys, there's no sex in marriage. I want you to make love. There is only lovemaking in marriage. No sex. I'm like, okay, you know, this guy's Mr. Romantic here. Okay, so. You only make love in marriage. You have to be intimate. You have to be intimate. He says this in his gentle voice. I'll never forget it. <laughs> so your next fill-in. God made sexuality an expression of intimacy. God made sexuality an expression of intimacy. What is intimacy? I'll, I'll tell you, before this week, intimacy, I thought it was just a nice fancy word that, that, that make the women, you know, melt just for just a nice word for sex. But intimacy is when I want to be known and fully, now, fully known at the deepest level of who I am. That's what full intimacy is. Intimacy in marriage is where there's no fear, there's no judging. It's something so fragile, something so powerful, something so delicate. And I can reach that full intimacy in marriage through my sexuality. Once upon a time, God created man, and he said, I want to have children. I want to have children that I can walk with and spend so much time with, that I love them so much. So he created man, and he said, man is going to be a pure reflection of all that I am. All that I am, I'm going to put into man, because I want us to spend time and, and walk in paradise together. It's going to be beautiful. But I want to make the place look gorgeous. I'm going to build mountains and forests and rivers and lakes. It's going to be gorgeous. It's going to be paradise. Man is going to walk with me. Man and woman are both going to walk with me. It's going to be the best life ever. But I want, I want everything to multiply. I want these animals to multiply. I want man to multiply. I want humanity to multiply. So I'm going to create something called sex. And that's how they're going to multiply. But I'm going to create it for man. It's going to blow their mind. Sexuality for man is going to be something out of this world. And it's going to be so beautiful and so fragile. It's going to be something so intimate that I want one man to enjoy with one woman. And the angels are like, and the angels are trying to peek and see what God is creating. What is this sex? And, and God is telling the angels, you wouldn't understand what I'm doing right now for man, but it's gonna be something such a beautiful and precious gift. If utilized in the right way, this gift is the most beautiful gift that God has given man. 
and I can only experience the power and the mystery and the beauty of intimacy when I commit all of myself with one woman. For many of us, we grew up, sex is like a no-no word. You, you don't say it. You don't say it at, your, you don't say it at, at, at home. Definitely you don't say it at church. It's just to, to know. Well, it's an, it, b- sex before marriage is, is bad. Then all of a sudden you get married and it's good. And everyone's saying, when are you about to have a baby? So it was really confusing understanding sexuality as a kid growing up. And then when you ask, why, why can't you have sex before marriage? It, it's just a no-no. Just don't do it. But the reality is God gave us the answer of that question 2,000 years ago in the Bible. Let's look at our first verse. Just to give you a, a, a context of where we are. St. Paul is writing to the city of Corinth. And Corinth is party house right now. Like, people are just living it up sexually. So he's telling them, listen, I, I know you're not going to like what I'm about to tell you. But I have to tell you how your designer created your sexuality and how to use it to the fullest. You're not using it the way he designed it. And I, I want to tweak a couple of things in you so that way you can really enjoy sex the way your designer created it. So he starts off by saying this, flee from sexual immorality. He doesn't say resi- try to resist it or, or, or try to control it. He says flee, run the other way, run away from sexual immorality. Here's, here's the key part in this, this next verse. All other sins. Right now, what does Paul did? He just put sexuality into a category all by itself. He put sexual immorality, the sin of, 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 of sexual immorality, he put in a category all by itself. Not to condemn us, not to punish us, not to make us feel guilty, but he's saying sexuality is so powerful, it's so fragile, it's something so intimate that it, it's, it's, it needs to be by itself. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. All other sins, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Committing sexual immorality is only hurting you. You're not just hurting you, you're hurting yourself at the deepest level of who you are. The deepest and most profound depth of who you are, created beautifully in God's image, you're only hurting yourself. That's what Paul is saying. The next verse. Paul is, Paul is talking to a group of people as if it's today, like in our society. He's like, don't you know? Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? And, and it, let's just stop right there. He's saying, don't you know that when you unite, when you unite yourself with a prostitute, you are one with her in body? What, what are the guys in Corinth are saying? Unite? Paul, no one said Unite. I, I go to the pagan temple. I pay this girl to do like this ritual sexual action. We do it at the, at the temple. I pay her. We do our thing. I walk out. It's done. It, unite? No, we're not uniting. Who said that? We're just having sex. That, that Greek word, Paul, that you're using for unite, that's, that means that we're, we're super glued. We're like cemented together. We're bonded. We're intermingled. We're intertwined. We're, that's not what we're doing. We're just having sex. No one said we're united. But Paul's saying, I'm telling you, 
from the very first page of the Bible, your creator said that sexuality is when one man fully commits to one woman and they become one flesh. There is a sense of permanence. There is a sense of permanence in sex. Permanence? It was just Thursday night in college. We just finished bar hopping, and I invited her up to my place. My roommate was out of town. I just brought her up. We did our thing, and we went to class the next morning. Permanence? We're just having sex. There's no issue. But Paul's saying, you're hurting yourself at a level that you cannot even comprehend. God made sex so powerful that he even built it into our physiology. Let me... Let me uh, do some science, a science class real quick. That sexuality is, is, is woven into our deepest fabric of who we are, even to our physiology and to our hormones. So in sex, it's not just a physical bond like we've been saying, but there's a hormonal bond. Science has showed that in sex, women release a certain hormone called oxytocin. It's called like a bonding hormone. And women release it too like when they're breastfeeding. So studies have shown that women that have multiple sexual partners release oxytocin every time there's intercourse. And, so, and, and the studies have shown that over time that women release less and less oxytocin with each sexual partner. And now there's counselors trying to figure out why there's so many married women that are so numb to sex. And they, and they don't know, they can't experience intimacy. It's because of what they did before marriage, that they're so numb to it now, and they're not able to experience full intimacy in marriage. Men, we have a series of hormones inside of us that lock in a visual image with sexual satisfaction. They're kind of linked together. That bond between a visual image and the, the bond that happens between a visual image and sex that, for a lot of married women, for a lot of married men in marriage, that they always revert back to that first image that they saw before marriage or their, sex, their sexual encounter that they had before marriage. And everything that, and all the sex they have in marriage is comparing to that first sexual encounter that they had before marriage. And everything is comparing to that because of, of, of the hormonal link. The hormones engrave in our, in our heart, in our mind, that first sexual experience that we had. So, that, so sex is not just physical. It's something so deep and something so powerful that's even built into our hormones, built into our genetic makeup, and this is how our designer created it. I know for a lot of you, this is a lot. This is, this is a little bit more, uh, more of a sex talk for a church than you wanted to hear. But I know that every single person here knows no matter how much society tells us, you know that sex is not just physical, that there is something more. Next verse. St. Paul says, do you not know? There he goes again with do you not know, because he's talking to a people that, that don't really understand sexuality. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? No, I don't know my body's a holy temple. What are you talking about? I, I party hard, Friday, Saturday, go to church, confess, God forgive my sins, and I go back at it, all week. And what do you mean my, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? 
You are not your own. You were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. You have been redeemed. You have been bought. Salvation has come to you. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The same God who designed this beautiful and, and delicate gift of sex and intimacy is the ones that created my physical body. And he wants me to honor this body because this body was, was bought by his blood. He loves me so much. He loves me so much that he wants to give, he's asking for, for me to give all of who I am back to him. How do I honor God with my body? He's saying, honor God with your body. That's, you, you figure out how do you honor God with your body as a single man, as a single woman. How do you honor God with your body when you're by yourself and no one is looking? How do you honor God in college? Again, I know this is a lot, and this is a big, heavy topic, and it's, it's sensitive to a lot of people. That's why I, I want, we need dialogue with a conversation and a topic like this. So throughout the series, we're asking you to text and tweet and, 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 and write down your questions through Facebook to STSA. The, the hashtag and the number is on the handout because in a couple weeks, we're going to have a conversation. We're going to have Father Anthony up here and, and, and a couple other people, and we're going to be answering questions that you present, that you text, and that you tweet to the church and to STSA. So the, ha the hashtag and the number is on the handout. And again, this is real talk. This is real life. So there is no question that's, that's too much. And it, obviously it's anonymous. So you can text in your question and we'll, and we'll bring it up in a couple weeks. Some of you right now are thinking, you know what? Yeah, I, I respect what you're saying. I can understand where you're coming from. But that's, that's your personal preference. Like, I, I, I see where you're coming from. And that might work for you. That might work for, like, the super churchy people that come every Sunday, for the super spiritual people. That's fine. But that's your personal preference. That's not mine. I'm telling you right now, this has nothing to do with personal preference. What is preference? Preference is, uh, I, I like this shirt. You, don't, you might not like that shirt. That's... There's no outcome. There's no predictable outcome by your, by your personal preference. I like this type of art. I like this type of music. You, you might not like it. Okay, who cares? That's your, that's your personal preference. There's no predictable outcome. But your sexuality is more like nutrition. I like uh, Snickers ice cream bar, and you like eating uh, cornflakes. There is a predictable outcome. What's going to happen to me if I continue to eat Snickers ice cream bar? And there's an outcome if you continue to eat healthy and eat, and eat fruits and vegetables. There's a predictable, concrete, solid outcome by what I eat. So it's not about preference. It is by design. Sex is not just a matter of personal preference. Sex is a matter of divine design. When we're given this beautiful and powerful and fragile gift of sex, ask the creator. Ask the one who designed this beautiful and intricate gift. Ask, how do I use this? You created me, you saved me, you've given me a new life. How do I use my body? How do I use all of who I am, my body, to you? How do I honor you with this since you created me and have given me a new life? How do I honor you? Mythbusters. 
Great show. We're going to take a couple of myths and bust. Here's a good myth that a lot of you guys are thinking. Practice makes perfect. I, I don't want to look like a doofus on my wedding night. Like, I want to practice because, I, you know, I want to make sure that my wife, know, like, I, I want to know, I want to make sure I know what I'm doing. I don't want to look like an idiot on my wedding night. You know what's so beautiful about sex? You don't need to know nothing going into it. No one, your wife's not going to say at your wedding night, Pumpkin, I'm so glad that you practiced. That was the best. No one's, your wife is not going to say that. No one's going to say, I'm so glad you practiced. That, that's how beautiful God designed it, that, you don't need, that there's no practice needed. If I want to learn the piano, I have to take lessons, because if not, I'm just going to be looking at some keys. I don't know what I'm doing. But sex, that's how God designed it, that he has, in, he has, he has built it into our DNA and built it into who we, who we are as his children, that we don't need practice, believe me. It's not experience that fuels my sexual life, but it's exclusivity. Exclusivity. Romance and marriage is fueled by a sense of exclusivity. What is exclusivity? It's when I say, all of who I am, I'm going to take this girl, this woman, that I love with all my heart. I'm going to say, all of who I am, Every part of who I am, my past, my present, my strengths, my weaknesses, my flaws, my habits, everything of who I am, I'm giving it to all of you. And all of who you are, you're giving it back to me. And it's this word, exclusivity, and it's if I live this out, this is what's going to fuel romance in my marriage, not, not experience. Exclusivity is... I've waited for you, and you've waited for me. Exclusivity is, I've been waiting and praying for you before I had a name and a face to put with my prayer. I have been waiting for you. This is what's going to fuel my marriage. Every part of who I am is I'm giving to you. Exclusivity is that you're, for women, exclusivity is that your husband is out on a trip, and you don't have to worry because you knew his past before, before marriage, and you just know it's a continuation through marriage. Exclusivity is what's gonna fuel marriage, fuel romance. For women, it's husbands. It's when your wife is out with her girlfriends and you're not sure when she's coming back and you don't have to worry because you know that all of herself is fully committed to you and that's what's gonna fuel marriage. Exclusivity is what fuels marriage, not experience. You know what experience does? Experience just adds damage to the marriage. Experience is what's gonna give you something to compare to when you're in marriage. When times get tough, experience is what you're gonna compare what, that se what sex was before marriage. And times are gonna get rough and you're gonna flake out because you're used to that same habit, that same pattern before marriage. Nothing changes. Don't think you can live the way you want. All, all th you know, let me just sleep around, enjoy life, before marriage, and all of a sudden, I walk down the altar, and all of a sudden, everything changes? Uh, that's, that's not how it works. There's something so powerful, something so beautiful, when one man commits fully to one woman, and they walk down the altar of God, and they come to church, and they say, Lord, us two are coming to you, and us three, we're going to make it work. 
through the highs, through the lows. Now we have exclusivity, and now it's only us three, and we're going to make it work through the thick and the thin. This is tough. Sexuality is tough. And to push our sexuality up to God's ethics and to God's standards is not easy. The saints of the church, we think of the saints and the martyrs of the church, we think they came out of the womb with a halo around their head. We think they're, the, they're, they're angels. Let me just tell you that every human being struggles with this. Let me quote a monk by the name of Saint Cassian. He said, only the lifeless are exempt from the battles of lust. Only the lifeless are exempt from the battles of lust. What is this holy, honorable saint saying? You must be dead if you're not dealing with sexual issues. You are brain dead if you're not dealing with it in some shape or form. This is tough stuff. But if I take my sexuality and I ask God, how do I utilize it in your name? How do I utilize it in the way you designed it? Only power and beauty and intimacy can come from that. A few years ago, a mentor of mine gave me advice. He said, Michael, anytime you, you, you struggle with sexuality, with, with your eyes, or your thoughts, or through your actions, praise God. Praise God when you're dealing with those, with those struggles. I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean praise God? Because praise God that he's given you the sexual drive and that you find beauty to want to, to unite with a woman. God created you in this way and praise God that he has given you these hormones and his drive to unite with a female. It's a beautiful thing. But ask God, how do I realign my thoughts and my eyes and my actions to utilize my sex, sexual drive and the way that he intended it for me? That stuck with me because to praise God for my, for my sexuality is, is interesting. All right, single people, here's our action items. Determine the story you want to tell. Determine the story you want to tell. For a lot of you single people, or let's put it this way, for a lot of married people, when we meet, we want to tell a story. Like we're about to get married, we have a story to tell them about our past. Like, like Father David mentioned in, in the sermon today. We have a story that we want to tell them. But for a lot of marriages, six months, year, two years, few years into marriage, things start to fall off. Because that story that that spouse told the other one, this nice fluffy story before marriage, turns out to be a lie because of their past and their old relationships and the sexual decisions that they made before marriage, the stuff they kind of just covered up before marriage. Now in marriage, it's starting to destroy the marriage because they didn't want to say it before marriage because they thought they were going to lose each other. So let me just cover it up, walk down the altar, and let me just cover it up. There's no need to talk about the past. But in some shape or form, it's going to come and bite the marriage and cause issues. So determine the story you want to say to your spouse. Determine that story now and live in such a way that you're able to live it and you're able to tell it. Determine the story you want to tell now and live in such a way that you execute that job, that you ex execute that story. There's only a couple stories that you'll tell. One of the stories you might say, you know, sex was not one of those words I could really say. It wasn't really talked about at home with my parents or at church. But when I got to college, you know, I just experimented a little bit and, and you know, explored my sexuality. 
But when I, but after college, you know, I found this right girl at, at work, and we settled down. We decided to move in together, and, and we started a new life. And we said, you know what? I'm going to turn a new page, and we're going to start a new life. That might be one story. Here's a better story. Sex wasn't something I knew. I didn't really know anything about it growing up. And when I got into high school and college and, and my dating relationships, you know, usually if you date sin, you know, we just have sex. That's just the normal thing. That's what everyone was doing. But then something hit me one day where I said, you know what? Let me give this church thing another shot. Let me give God another shot. And you hear this series and you say, you know what? There's something true about this. There's something that these people are saying, there's some truth to this. And today I'm going to rewrite my story for my future spouse. What an amazing story for you to tell your future spouse that today I'm rewriting. You determine what that date is going to be. You set a date when you sit with yourself and you say, today is a day I'm going to rewrite my story. And then I can tell my future spouse you know, it was this date in 2015, in August, that I told myself, I'm, I'm starting a new life. I'm starting a new page because I'm going to be exclusive to you and you only. Because ever since August 2015, I've been praying for you. Before I even knew your name, before I even knew who you looked like, I've been praying for you. And now I'm all yours. That's a beautiful story. And you know what? You want to hear that story as well. There's nothing better. So if you want to be the person you are looking for is looking for, choose the story you want to tell and live it out. Second action item, single people. The best way to live out sexually is to set a budget for yourself. What do I mean by budget? Like if, if I go to a store, uh, it's tax-free weekend, by the way, in Virginia. So if you go shopping today, you have a budget. You're not going to go into any store and just buy anything because you have a budget. You know what's your limits. In the same manner, set a sexual budget. Tell yourself, oh, you know what, this party ended. I can't go up to, the, I can't go up to your place because that's not part of my budget. Or you know what, I can't, do, I can't hang out with these people because that's not part of my sexual budget. I can't go to that site because that's not part of my sexual budget. Set a sexual budget from now. Don't wait until... You've, you max out your credit cards and then say, what did I do? Set a budget from now before we get into trouble. So it's time for us to think of rewriting our story and to set a sexual budget. And how do I honor God with my body and my sexuality as a high schooler, as a college student, as a single guy or girl? How do I honor God with my sexuality, with this beautiful an intricate and fragile and fearless gift that God has given me. How do I use it for his name? And I promise you, I promise you, if you utilize this gift to the fullest, your sexual life and marriage is the best. I'm, this is so heavy to me because marriage is amazing and marriage is so beautiful. And I, honest to God, honest to God, I wish marriage for so many of you. And it's, it's something so powerful and beautiful if used in the right way. And what you do now is gonna control what kind of marriage you have later on. It's in your control. 
I know this is easier said than done. And I know it's so hard when you see all your coworkers and your roommates and everyone is, is sleeping around and usually by the second date they're sleeping together and just they're having sex like it's candy. And you see that all around you and I know it's tough. But let me tell you something. If you're giving up something now and holding yourself for something later on, what is that called? It's not a sacrifice. It's an investment. Giving up something now for something later on is not a sacrifice. It's an investment. I know it's tough. I know it's tough to push our sexuality up to God's standard and to God's ethic. But I promise you, if you do, it's the best thing in the world. There's gonna, of course, there's going to be tough times. But if you, if you tell yourself, I'm going to give up this, or I'm not going to go up to her apartment, I'm not going to invite her over to my apartment, or I'm not going to date with this girl because I know what's going to happen by the second date, or I'm, I'm going to end our date early because I know myself, I know what's going to happen later on. If you set those sexual budgets for yourself right now, you're not sacrificing anything. You're investing into something so much more beautiful, something so fearless, something so powerful, something so intimate. We'll stand up for a prayer. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we love you so much. We love you, God, so much in our deepest heart. We thank you, God, for our health and our, and our, our friends and our family and for our sexual health and for our sexuality, and it's a beautiful gift that you have given us. But help us to redirect our mind, our thoughts, our actions, to line our sexuality in the way you intended it, and the path in the way you designed it, and guide me by your grace that I'm able to utilize this beautiful gift in the way you intended it, through the mystery of marriage, through the power of marriage, that I'm able to utilize this beautiful and fragile gift of sex. Lord, we thank you for this message and for this series in order for us to become closer to you with every step that we take. Through the intercession and the prayers of all your saints, hear us, O Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.